Amen? Um, th- there's a, a lot of sources for uh, definitions to different words, but um, as I, I like to look at a number of different definitions from a number, number of different dictionaries and then kind of put these together, but all of them say one thing, and vision is the ability to see. Vision is the ability to see, to have real sight or eyesight. Something that you, that, that you imagine, a picture that you see in your mind, something that you see or dream, especially like a supernatural experience. There, there's different ways to see. There's a natural way to see in life, and then there's a spiritual way and, and understanding to see through. And God has a desire for you and I to see what He sees. He wants you and I to see and understand things from His perspective. And, and you know, th- there was a time in, even in the last hundred years, over the last hundred years, where people didn't think they could know the heart and the mind of God. That, that, that knowing God was maybe, or understanding the things of God was maybe just for a select few that stood behind a pulpit or wore a collar or did whatever, and I'm, I'm not against any of those people. I'm, I'm, I'm one of those that stands behind a pulpit and preaches the Word, and I love doing it. But, but for a long time, people thought that they really couldn't understand the things of the Bible. I'm telling you today, you can not only understand, but you can see what He sees, and you can understand what He understands to whatever place that He wants you to see. You know, I'll ask you this. This is my Bible today. And, and so, in, in, in the Word of God is a lot of understanding. There's 66 books of, that, of, that, of the Bible that we call the Bible today. There's 66 books or, or letters in there. And, and is that all of God? Is, 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 that, is all of God in those 66 books of the Bible? Uh, a part of God is, but no telling how many other volumes that there are in heaven of understanding who God is. But what you and I need to know about today and in this life is this book. Amen? This is all we need here. If God would have wanted us to have more of our our, our foundational books, uh, then, then we would have had it. There's lots of church history books. There's a lot of books that have been written by people with experiences and all those kind of things. And, and I, I encourage you to read stories and read books by, uh, by other people because it's blessed me in my life. But the Bible is the book. Amen? And it's, and it's all of God that you and I will ever need to know about in this life. Beyond this life, in heaven and, and beyond, I, I would think that there's all kinds of volumes of things about God because this is just a piece and a portion. But God wants us to be faithful in this part and in this portion, and He wants us to see what He sees and understand what we're supposed to understand in this whole process of life that He created for us. Over 2,000 years ago, what Jesus accomplished at Calvary is what Adam and Eve lost in the garden. They lost authority and dominion and power and a connection and a fellowship with God. And for 4,000 years that we know of, in that 4,000-year period, from when Adam and Eve lost that place and Jesus gained it back, when He gained it back, 
okay? What, what man didn't have in that 4,000 years when he gained that back. Now, you and I have a responsibility to kick in and, and allow the revelation to kick in and for you and I to be a part of what God wants to accomplish in the earth. It's what he intended to happen with Adam and Eve, but Adam and Eve gave it up and Jesus got it back. Amen? And so we're talking today about vision and follow through and how they connect, how important it is for you and I to understand our responsibility in seeing vision come to pass. Um, l- last year, we talked about this a little bit, and I'm, I'm going to just reiterate some of the things last year when we talked vision out of these two passages of Scripture. One's found in Habakkuk chapter 2. Let's look at that. Habakkuk 2 and verse 2 and 3. <clears throat> Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak, and it will not lie, though it tarries. Wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. This vision is a corporate vision. This is church vision for us today to understand the importance of being connected to something that's bigger than you and I. In Jeremiah, and everybody knows this, this is a very popular verse of Scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11, let's look at it. It says, For I know the thoughts that I have toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. One translation says, For I know the plans. And those plans, notice it says, in the Amplified, I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you, says the Lord, thoughts and plans for welfare and peace and not for evil to give you hope in your final outcome. Notice that it says, for I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you. So personally, this is a personal vision. The other one represents corporate vision. But personal vision, for personal vision in my own life to be real and to be from God for my personal life, I've got to see what he sees. He has the thoughts and plans for me. I've got to be able to get those. This month we're going to talk about how do we develop personal vision. You know, is, is, is the vision for my life just my vocation? Because, you know, I work this job or I own this business or I do this thing. Is that, that's the vision for my life and I've got to be, I've got to operate in that vision and I've got to fulfill my vision in life and, and it's all about my vocation. No, I say absolutely not. God had a plan for your life before you were. He had, he had thoughts about you before you were even thought about. The Bible says eons of time before you were even thought about, God had a plan for you. How? I don't know. He just said he did. So if he said it, then we believe that, right? We're believing these 66 books and getting them inside of us and making them a part of our life. But he had, he had thoughts. Put that verse back up there for me. He had thoughts and plans for you and I. He had thoughts and plans for, for us. And, and the thoughts and plans, do, do you read anything in there of anything that's bad? Not one thing. Now, everybody in here today could say along the way, well, probably, I guess, everybody could say, you know what? There was part of my journey that I've been on in life that wasn't real good, and this thing wasn't good, and that thing wasn't good. But that wasn't part of God's plan for your life. 
See, because we get born, in, when, when, and I use myself as an example, I was born to Herb and Sandy Wimberley, and my father was a golf professional. So, by the time I was however old, walking, I was swinging a golf club, right? And so, what did I end up doing for a long time? Played golf. Why? Because my dad was a golf pro. So, I was around it, so I played it. So, you know, evidently, I mean, I wasn't born again until I was 18 years old, but up to that 18 years, you know, you just think that's what you're called in life to do. Well, I got born again, and I found out, and people began to teach me things like this, and I found out that wasn't necessarily what God had for my life. Now, a lot of people don't like to hear that because they might be doing something today that they like, and they think God's going to take it away from them. God didn't take golf away from me. I laid it down. You know why? Because I developed my relationship with God, and as I developed my relationship with God, the things of God began to get on the inside of me. And over time, you know, I thought that's what I'd do for the rest of my life. I was one of those guys that, you know, my dad had a golf course, and, you know, I was always, every evening if I was playing golf and walking up the 18th fairway, I envisioned myself playing in the Masters, and, you know, I was... Uh, had a four-shot lead coming into 18, and, you know, and I envisioned all the crowd standing around and cheering and rooting me on and all those kind of... I mean, I, just, I had these... I, I saw that. Everybody say, see. See, I had a vision of me doing that. Was that vision correct? Not for God's plan for my life. You say, well, you know, maybe because you didn't do enough. No, no, no. No, God didn't take anything from me. He gave to me what I was called to do. And I'm standing behind this pulpit today. Never thought I'd do this. In fact, I, I said out of my mouth a lot after I got born again. I don't know what I'll ever do for sure, but I'll never pastor a church because of the mentality I had about pastors. Pastors that I'd been around, I didn't like them. You know, they were all, seemed like they all had a bad attitude and they, didn't like life and they didn't like people you know it seemed like the ones that I was around and and so I had a I had a wrong perception of the ministry you see and and as a result of it I that's what I saw those are the thoughts that I had so it kept me from really understanding what God wanted out of my life but the more I developed my relationship with God the revelation from the word began to speak to me about what his plan was for my life did it happen overnight absolutely not did it happen did it happen you know in a very short period of time I get a little bit of revelation all of a sudden everything just trend? no no it was a long drawn out period of time where I had to be obedient and I had to follow through and do the things that God told me to do as I'm learning to understand and I'm 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 a Allowing what I was doing to be extracted from me, but I was allowing it. God will never take anything from you. People are afraid, well, if I seek the will of God, then I'm going to lose what I'm... No, 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 you know, you'll choose to do it. He'll never take something from you. He'll always do something for you that He had planned for you before you were even thought about. See, most people... Don't, have never heard things like this, so many people. And so they, so they don't know how, they don't think that they have the ability inside of them to really develop this understanding. I say you do. You just have to base it on, on, on Scripture. You have to watch it in the Word, and you have to follow through with it. A verse of Scripture that really explains this is found in Psalm 37, verse 3. <clears throat> Jeremiah, I mean, uh, uh, Psalm 37 and verse 3. It says, Trust in the Lord and do good. 
Dwell in the land and feed on His faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. So, as you cultivate faithfulness in God, as you develop a relationship with God and understand who God is, who He he really is, He puts His will inside of you, and then He brings it to pass. Wow, that's a win-win. What's my responsibility? Following through in the Word and the revelation of the Word. This series, uh, I'm, I'm not going all the way back, I'm just going back to November. Anybody remember in November what the title of our series was? Grateful Heart. How to develop a grateful heart. What I encourage you in, and we give you, the, the, for free, we give you the ability to hear the word and follow through. I encourage you to develop and follow through in that series. What, what did we talk about in December? About the name, right? You shall call his name Jesus. And we talked about the revelation of the name. I encourage you to do that and, and to follow through with that revelation because following through with teaching that where you hear the word then the Holy Spirit is able to take the word you hear and begin to reveal things in you that no man can reveal to you. No man can reveal. The the Holy Spirit is the true teacher. The Bible's real clear. You need people to teach because by faith you need to come and hear in spite of people what they have to say. Then you follow through and begin to study and meditate and spend a little time in the things that you've heard. What it develops in you is that the trust and confidence that God is real and He'll reveal things to you. And as He reveals truths to you, those truths become revelation inside of you. And when you have that revelation, then things begin to happen in life that you never dreamed ever would. But if you don't understand that process that I just mentioned to you right there, and you don't follow through with the Word in that way, things won't just happen. Things in life don't just happen. Blessing doesn't just happen. Things don't just turn around. You don't just fulfill the plans and purposes that God had for you before you were even thought about. You don't just. Amen? You cultivate faithfulness. You delight yourself in Him. He puts His desire in your heart, and then He brings it to pass. Gosh. That, I don't know about you, but that, that's, a, that's a win-win all the way. I mean, I can't lose. I, I absolutely can't lose. Yeah, now, you know, that sounds all super and great, and it's just perfect, and that'll happen in six weeks. No, that's lifelong. You see, we're developing this for the rest of our life. It, it, you're not under any kind of time frame or pressure. Nothing has to become something that you think it should be. It's not the pressure to look like you're something or that you have faith in God or anything else. You allow it to be developed, and it'll produce the fruit. That's what he said. He said he'll bring it to pass. One plants, one waters, God brings the increase. That's the way it works. That's the kingdom of God. Amen? Um. <clears throat> So in the beginning of the church, look at John 6 and verse 38. In the beginning of the church, um, there there was vision that Jesus began to explain 
to people. And he said this. Jesus said this in John 6, 38. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. So when you're doing the will of someone else, if you work in a business and the business owner has a vision for the business, and this is what the business owner wants, you're doing the business owner's will to accomplish what his vision is and and what he wants to see happen. When we come into the kingdom, there is something, and and that's what I'm going to share this point with you today and leave it with you as as we, we preach along this line for the next few weeks. God from heaven has a vision. God has a vision. And that vision became real to humanity when Jesus came to the earth not to do His will, but to do the will and the vision that Father sent Him to do. Look at um, uh, verse 60. So He's explaining to them what this vision is, and you can go back and read these verses of Scripture. But, But notice what it said here. Therefore many of His disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can understand this? Now, there was more than just him saying he was here to do the will of the Father, but then he explained what that was, and they said, you know what? This is a hard saying. Who can understand this? You may be sitting out there today saying, you know what, Pastor? You know, I I hear what you're saying, but, you know, to believe that God had a plan for my life before I was even thought about, that's a hard saying. That's hard to understand. Absolutely. First time I ever heard it, I thought, what the heck is that guy saying? That's a nut. How can God have a plan for my life eons of time before I was even thought about? I don't know, but the Bible says so. That's a hard saying. Jesus' disciples said, you know what? This is a hard saying. What you're trying to explain to us is a hard thing. And then notice what happened. Verse 68, 66. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Why? Because it's tough. Tough to understand. And you know why most people quit? Because they don't learn how to follow through. They don't learn how to stand in the difficult times. They don't learn how to stand and believe the Word of God when it doesn't look like anything is happening. That's where most people give in. And when you, when you give up and you give in, you get an unbelief and then there's no faith. See, then you're, you're not spending that time developing and cultivating faithfulness. You're not spending the time meditating on the Word. You're not spending time in the things of God and developing relationship with God. But you find yourself complaining and talking bad about people and bickering and all this kind of stuff. And you get yourself, God can't minister to people in the midst of that stuff. I, well, God can do anything He wants to. He said He won't. God will sit on the sidelines and let you have your way when you don't see your responsibility in following through with the Word. Just because the Word is preached doesn't mean it will transform your life. In fact, it will not transform your life. It will give you some new information, but it won't transform your life. God wants you and I to be transformed. Amen? Um, so... <clears throat> So as, 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 I've, as I've thought about this and, and this passage right here, having knowledge but not the belief that it will really work for you is, this is probably a weak example, but um, I've, I've bought many, how many bought a car before? 
Yeah, everybody in here has bought a car probably at one time or another. And whether you bought it brand new or is used or whatever, it, it's pretty much the same process. And you go through the, the process, and then on the day, and it's all finished, they hand you the keys. And they put the keys in your hand, and what you know about a vehicle is that that vehicle will do what you want it to do, but you have to believe that it takes, you know, I'm saying put the key in, you know, all the new cars, you don't put the key in, you just have the key, you just have the little contraption close to where the car is, you know, at least in the living room, you know, and then you push your start button and it'll start. And, uh, and but, but it takes the key to activate the car and then you've got to get in the car and go through the motions to make the car work to get the benefits, right? Because it's kind of like you and I have a knowledge of Jesus and, and humanity knows who Jesus is, but you've got to put the key in and turn the key on and get in the car to get the benefits. You can't just talk about it and know about it and know that it's available for you. You've got to do something. You've got to follow through. So they hand you the keys. You get in. You, you, you stand around and you look at the car and you command the car to move. No, you've you got to do your part. Well, move car. You know, or uh, Fabian, you go drive my car. Well, it's not benefiting me at all, right? Uh, or you, you, you take it and give it to someone else. Okay, so maybe you gave it away, but you're not getting the benefits of what you went to buy the car for, right? You're coming to church here to hear the Word preached. We're about everything being centered around the Word of God because of what the Word of God does for you. See, so if you hear the word, but you do nothing with it, you, you've, not in, you've not engaged the key and turned it on and got in the car and allowed the car to produce the benefits that you're looking for in, in the body of Christ. You can hear the word, but the Bible says this. If you're a hearer and not a doer, you're deceived. So you can be a Christian and walk in deception because you're not doing anything with what you hear. In other words, you're not getting the benefits, so you're deceived into thinking many times that God is one way when really He's another way. Everybody say, God is good. How often? God's good all the time. See, there's some not good things that happen in life, but God is only good. God's not the instigator, and He's not the author of bad. He's only the author of what's good. He's good all the time. Not just some of the times, he's always good. Now, I'm going to share just a couple things as I bring this together for today um, that I think are really, really important. We've been talking about the name of Jesus. And as God gave me this word about following through this year, <clears throat> The, the thing that he's been ministering to me really strong is that you and I as individuals have to understand that we are here but we, on this earth, but we have been given all dominion and all power and all authority in heaven and on earth because Jesus said, I came from heaven, right? And, and when he came from heaven, he came here for a purpose. And, and, and what I want to talk about just for the next few minutes is 
understanding the vision that you individually have to have, you have to have a vision of the name of Jesus to accomplish personal vision in life if you're going to do it God's way. I'm going to say it again. As an individual, to have personal vision, if you're going to do it God's way, I mean, you can create all kinds of personal vision, and your vision can be your vocation, and your vision can be a lot of other things. But if you're going to create vision based on what the Word says, you have to have vision of the name of Jesus. You have to have revelation of what the name of Jesus is and how it is at our disposal. So bear with me for a moment. Um, Let's look at 1 John 3 and verse 23. And then 1 John 5, 13, both of those. One right after the other. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name. Everybody say, on the name. On the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. I want to read it one more time. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Okay? Uh, 5 and 13. These things I have written to you who believe, everybody say, in the name, of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of of the Son of God. Everybody say, in the name. Now, go go back to uh, uh, 3 and 23. Um, So 3 and 23 says, this is His commandment. Notice it didn't say this is His option. So God's command for you to live in this life, the way He wants you to live, is that you have to believe on the name of His Son. Now, If you look this up in the literal Greek, the word on there is not there. If you have a King James Bible, you'll see it in italics, and and the word on is not there. So I'm going to read it like it is in in the original. And this is his commandment that you and I should believe the name of his son. Go to 5 and 13. These things I've written to you who believe in the name, in the, in the original Greek, in is not there. These things I've written to you who believe the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue. Everybody say continue. What does that word sound like? Follow through. Follow through. Thank you. That you may follow through to believe, not in the name, but the name. Of the Son of God. So I'm telling you today that there's no pressure. You don't got to figure things out. You don't got to hurry something up. What what I am petitioning you and literally challenging you on from the heart of the Father is that you learn to believe and to understand what it means to believe the name. Believe the name. How do I believe the name? Okay, we'll get back to that. Acts 3 in verse 1. So here is Peter and John right after the day of Pentecost. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. 
And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of those who entered the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them, because that's what he did. He, he was at the gate there begging for alms. Money. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the literal, what's not there? What's not there in the next verse, in the next word, in? He said, but silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give you the name of Jesus. I give you the name of Jesus. I give you the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. Verse 7. And he took him by the right hand and he lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Verse 8. So he leaping stood up and walked and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Verse 16. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong. Whose name? The name of Jesus. Right? Has made this man strong whom you see and know. And we're not, we're not talking about Jesus, that Jesus did this. We're talking about Peter and John did this. Specifically, we're talking about Peter did this that we have record of. One, in one situation right here, we have to realize that Peter and John were just like you and I. Jesus, Jesus was directly from the sperm of God. He was the Son of God. He is the deity of God. You and I are indirectly. But we're all sons and daughters of the Most High God. And Jesus said, the works that I did, you'll do, and even greater works. But listen to me. Peter and John didn't do something out of the ordinary in what God sees. Peter and John did the ordinary to a person that believes the name of Jesus. When you believe the name, when you believe that all of heaven backs up the name, then what you say and do in the name will produce the same results that it did with Jesus. That's, that's all that Peter did right here. He had a revelation of the name. And what it produced was exactly what it produced with Jesus in, this, in, the, in, in the record that we have here. If we're going to believe the Bible, we have to believe that. What Jesus came to accomplish was invested in the name for the church. What Jesus came to accomplish on the earth was all invested in his name for the church. What Jesus came to accomplish was all invested in his name for the church. We're the church, which is his body in the earth, Ephesians 1.23. We're the church, which is his body in the earth. When you and I believe in the name of Jesus, there's not anything 
that can't be accomplished because it was already accomplished in and through him. It was already accomplished. He's already done it all. Everything in life that it ever needed to be accomplished for you and I has been accomplished already. Now we are called in his name to enforce what he says is so. Not us making things up. That's why everything has to be based from the word. Everything has to come out of this. Everything has to be revealed and it takes time for revealing. Otherwise, what do his disciples say? Man, this is too, this tough, this tough. Pastor, I don't know what the crud you're even saying. That doesn't even make any sense. How could I do something like what Jesus did and what Peter did? You know, because, you know, Peter's a pillar of the church. So are you. So are you. How beautiful are the feet of those that pinned the Bible for us. The Apostle Paul, the Apostle Peter, the Apostle John, and on and on. How beautiful are their feet. But they're no different than you and I. Right? They received this in the same dispensation of time that you and I have received it in, which is the dispensation of the church age, and it's never stopped from day one. Right? We're reading here, what we're reading in Acts chapter 3 is in the first days after the day of Pentecost. But I'm telling you, it's the same God, same Spirit, and the same name. And what's, what Jesus invested in that name was for the church. In other words, it was for me and for you. Not just for a select few, but all of us, if we'll learn to believe as we read earlier. Amen? So, think about this today, okay? And I'm going I'm to leave you with these, with these thoughts today. Um, As, as, as I've read through the book of Acts and, and really studied about the early church in the book of Acts, because it was the Acts of humanity, Acts of the Apostles, but it was the Acts of humanity is what we have 28 chapters of the book of Acts. And as I've read through that, I've, I, I, I've looked at it and asked this question, how, um, what did the name of Jesus mean for them? Okay, I just wrote a few things down. Number one, it meant their life in the early church. It meant their food and clothing and everything that they needed. It meant deliverance. That man at the gate, beautiful, needed deliverance. He needed liberty and freedom in his life. Um, it meant time and time again in certain situations, it meant the power. The name meant the power and authority over demons and, and devils of hell, right? And so... That's what we read about in the book of Acts that it meant to them, and, and actually through all the epistles, uh, what, what, what it meant to them. But what, what does it mean to you and I today? What does it mean? Um, <clears throat> and, and I'm going to share a little bit more of this next week. But because of the world and the society that we live in, most people have never believed God for anything. I mean, I mean when, I can, when I can work and, and get my money and, and pay my bills, and why would I believe God for something? Why would I believe Him for a pair of shoes? Because I'm not saying, all, no, no, not any people, but most people. 
have never believed God for things. I'm talking about if there's, what is there, 400 million people in the United States, is that right? Am I right? Somewhere close to that, I think, 400 million in, in the United States. Okay, so let's just say that uh, 50 million people in the United States have really learned how to believe God. Well, that's very small compared to the other 350 million. Most people have never really learned how to believe God. To the early church, the name of Jesus meant their life. Food and clothing and deliverance and, and liberty. Because see, up, up until this time, the power of God had not manifested in 400 years. They hadn't seen, until Jesus came on the scene, they hadn't seen any miracles, nothing. Nobody had ever seen anything work. So all of a sudden, he comes on the scene and they see miracle after miracle after manifestation after manifestation. And then he leaves and he said, now I'm leaving this for you to do the same exact thing. And they're going, what? Us? No, you're the one that did it. But everything that he did was invested in the name for the church. And 2,000 plus years later, the church is still grasping for revelation. But I'm declaring that the church of Jesus Christ is getting what I'm talking about today. Can you say amen? We're not, we're not playing any more games. The hope of the world is not a new president. It's not anybody in politics. It's not another government or anything else. The hope of the world is the revelation of the name of Jesus. The Bible says, who is the hope of the world? It's Christ in you. It's the revelation of the name of Jesus working on the inside of you that's the hope of the nations. I'm just telling you right now, nothing is going to change. We'll keep going in these circles, these political circles that we go in thinking that somebody's going to come and save the nation and all this kind of stuff, or this guy's the bad guy, or, you know, we, we hate this group and hate that group. I mean, you know, we got Republicans hating Democrats and Democrats hating Republicans and independents, you know, being in the middle and, you know, both sides hate them too because they're not one of them. I mean, how is the power of the name of Jesus going to flow when, when our, our, all of our focus is on what the news media tells us life is all about? <laughs> the news media don't, doesn't know Jack. Now, whether you like Donald Trump or not, the, the next president of the United States, whether you like him or not, one thing I really like that he's doing, and, you know, maybe I shouldn't say this, but I, I like what he's doing, that he's bypassing the media and tweeting all the important information out there. And, and I really like it, but it's, boy, it has, I don't know the right word to use, but it has really ticked off the news media. Huh? They don't like it. Why? Because it's different. But you know what? Anything that takes the control away from somebody else telling the world how I think, the better. I, I, I got no problem telling the world how I think. How I think is what he thinks. You see, and that's what you and I have to do. We got to believe in what he put us here for. And everything that Jesus did was invested into his name to the church. Everything. And apart from that, nothing else that you and I do really has any value. Not really. Nothing else you do apart from revelation from the name really has any value if you're doing what you're doing for God. You can't bypass the power source to accomplish what He wants accomplished.
God is building the church. He's building his church that the gates of hell cannot prevail against. Listen to me. He's not building you or your ministry or your job or your career or whatever. He's building the church. And when you understand that he's building the church, then what you do out there will be effective. That's how corporate and personal vision have to attach. But you'll never attach corporate and personal vision. You'll always have excuses why you shouldn't be connected to something that's bigger than you are. You'll always have those excuses if you're not following through with the word you hear preached. You've got to take what you hear and do something with it. That's where vision and sight and seeing comes from. That's where it all comes from. And you and I need it like we've never needed it before. Ever. Amen? So, so in closing this, what, is it, what, what does it look like? Now, I'm not saying this is you. I'm just saying this is what I see a lot of. I'm not saying this is you. And I'm not looking and judging anybody else. I'm just saying this is what the name of Jesus looks like with a lot of people that have no revelation of the name. This, this, I just wrote a few things down about this. Um, the name of Jesus is a name that we have to try to figure out. Most people, if you bought a Ferrari today, it's not just about the key and turn it on. It'd be about a hundred other things that would take you a while. You, you'd have to go and, uh, and take a class on how to gain all the benefits of a Ferrari. You know, you know what I mean by that. There's stuff in that car that just the average person knows nothing about. So to get the benefits from it, you've got to spend some time in a class, and they've got to teach you how to do it. See? So a lot of people view the name of Jesus today as, as, as a name that they're just trying to figure out, and they don't follow through with that, and they quit. Uh, the name of Jesus is something that we use when things are bad and we're trying to get help. Oh, Jesus, please, Jesus. Oh, God, Jesus. Oh, oh. But, but, but the name of Jesus wasn't meant to be used like that. I'm not saying that God doesn't have compassion, but what moves God is people that will hear the word, they'll, they'll get information, they'll do something with it, and begin to activate the power that's in the name because of the investment that Jesus put into the name for us. Amen? And this is, this, is, this is another thing that we see. This is how a lot of people, I'm not saying you, I'm saying a lot of people devalue the name that they do everything to get an answer and then when nothing else works, then they're going to, out of desperation and default, try the word and try the name. And pray in a begging form to God to get God to do something, but they have no, it's because they have no revelation. See, that's why it looks like that God doesn't answer prayers in a lot of ways because most people, so many people, don't understand what prayer is. This whole entire year, we're devoting to understanding how to use the name of Jesus in every area of our life. We're, I'm, I'm devoting this whole year. Anywhere I go, I, for some reason, I've got a, a number of invitations to go outside of our church this year for whatever reason and preach the word. And when I go, I'm going to take that and minister to the people that I come in contact because I see how, 
how vital it is and how, how there's been such lack of information given to people. I mean, we can, we can talk about church life and programs and all this, that, and the other, but if we don't have the revelation of the name, it's not going to produce life in anything that we do. So we're just going through the motions. Now, I really am going to leave you with this. So let's say that, I'll just pick some random example. Let's just say that you are, you are facing something. In, I'm not going to look the scriptures up, but in, you can write them down. In John 14, 12, Jesus said to his disciples, in that day, you will, if you ask anything in my name, he said, I will do it. In John 16 and something, you'll, you'll go find it. I think it's 23. 23 yeah, 23 and 24. He said there, thank you. He said that in that day, you will ask the Father in my name. Okay? And, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to tie this together and end with this. On the surface, those two verses of Scripture look the same. They look exactly the same, but they're not. One is speaking the name of Jesus. He said, you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. The other is asking to the Father. So if you are struggling in a situation, let's just say you're struggling, you're, you're, you've been in, in, in fear about a specific thing, maybe some, something bad. Let's just say you're afraid, turn of the, uh, of the year, and you've heard you're working at a business and you worked there for 20 years and you just heard that they're going to start laying people off. Let's just say that, okay? Now, fear would come to anybody. You have a 20-year job, fear would come to your mind. In John 16, he says, whatever you, Jesus said this before the cross, he said, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he said, it will be done. The Father will do it that he would be glorified. And, and then, but Jesus said in the 14th chapter, whatever you ask in my name, I'll do it. So, so here's the thing. As, as you hear these reports and you have word preached to you and you can do something with that, you begin to pray and pray in the Spirit and ask God about what, you know, what this is and God, this fear is coming against me, but your word says you don't give me fear, but power, love, and a sound and a well-balanced mind. I just thank you now for revealing to me what's going on here. And, and let's just say that that was just some report and somebody said something, but you didn't know that, that you thought it was real. Maybe somebody just threw it out there because they were afraid. And so they wanted everybody else to be afraid so they'd feel good, you know? And, and that's not really true. And so as you're praying, God shows you, you know what? That's a lie from the enemy. That's, that's just a lie that something like that is going to happen. So right now, in the name of Jesus, I command that fear to leave now. As the church, as an individual of the church, you just took the name of Jesus and spoke something that you believe Father revealed to you. Because when, if you let your mind and your emotions settle down, God will show you what the truth is in a situation, no matter what you face. Something like that, something someone else says, you may, be a, you may get a phone call from somebody and they give you a bad report about something and it sounds all this way or whatever. If you back up and listen and pray to the Father in the name of Jesus... He'll reveal to you what you're to say in the name of Jesus. 
There's prayer to the Father in the name of Jesus, and then there's declaring in the name of Jesus what you want to see because Father said so. And that's what we're going to develop regarding vision and understanding for your life over, over the next few weeks. We're going to talk about it. We're going to dig it out. And if you're interested in it, show up and come and be a part of this because I promise you, this year, 2017, with the revelation of the name of Jesus, nothing can stop the church. Nothing can stop this church or your lives, your personal vision from coming to pass, but nothing can stop the church around the world, I'm telling you. It's the greatest day for the church ever. And listen, if the Bible says if just two people believe, amazing things can happen. But what happens if we all believe? I mean, it just, it just magnifies that much more. I have such great expectation that, that this is happening and is coming to pass in the name of Jesus. Um, I, w- I want to say this as I end. Write this down if you're taking notes. <clears throat> Vision is seeing through believing. Vision is seeing through what you believe. Vision is seeing through believing. God wants you to see through what you believe. God wants you to see. People want vision for their own life personally, but that seeing is going to come through believing the word and through your connection to something that's bigger than you are. Amazing things can evolve and develop from that. Amen?